welcome to Live Free Church. We're a church that's passionate about reaching people at all costs. Here you can find all our recent sermons. We are so glad that you joined us today. We want people to live free lives ultimately found in Jesus because we believe that free people, free people. Welcome to Live Free Church. I'm so glad that you're with us. Um, I'm Colby. I'm the lead pastor here. And we are planting a church, starting a church up in Kelowna right now. And so we're so glad that you're a part of this movement, a movement about people becoming free in Christ. That I think about our identity. Our identity becomes all the things that we focus ourselves on. But, but I think for us, that so we believe, we're calling our church Live Free Church, that you're truly free when you're in Jesus, when your identity is found, not in your work and your um, possessions or things, but actually in Jesus. This past week, I was reading a book um, with a group of researchers, and they're actually going into the slums of India and trying to actually improve their hygiene of these people. And, and they actually had um, different diseases in the slums of India. And so they said, well, you know, here's the deal. Actually, we could actually cure a lot of diseases and issues if we just went into India and actually um, just got them to educate them about using soap. You know, it's, it's pretty simple. We just go in there, we just educate them about using um, a bar of soap. Um, but there's limited use of water there. And so they started educating all these groups of people about soap. What they realized was that just the information didn't lead to transformation. That the information that they had didn't actually improve their situation, didn't actually improve their lives. They actually stopped. They weren't even actually using soap. So they, they came back and they said, well, what's the deal here? We actually had given all this information about why um, it cures all these different diseases, all these different bacteria, all this different stuff that they, if they just would use soap at home. It didn't actually change. The, the information didn't transform them. It didn't transform their day-to-day life. So they decided, they went back, they said, well, here's maybe what we could do. We could actually go back and design a better soap. A soap that when you use a little bit of water, it actually forms this amazing sensation in your, finger, in your, in your hands that actually it, it foams, right? And so they built this, this special type of soap that they actually distributed, and they, they informed people about using soap, but actually the sensation was so fulfilling for them. They used a drop of water and it became so like, the suds were so incredible that they just wanted to use it. It was the sensation. So I think, I'll assume this this past week, that, that information doesn't always lead to transformation, but information in application leads to transformation. You see, we're living in a time where we're trying to figure out circumstances that we live in. You know, Peter, we're looking at this guy named Peter and he's in First Peter. This, this letter to per- Christians who are being persecuted, who are dying, who are struggling for their faith. And he said, here's, in the last few weeks, if you go back and listen to some of our sermons on YouTube or hit the subscribe button or share us on Facebook, um, you know, if you go back and, and read or listen to our sermons on YouTube, there's all these, these ideas of how you should struggle, how you should suffer. Well, this idea of like how you should, the information you should grasp onto, you should cling to. And Peter here is talking to church and saying, Okay, you, you understand like the, the information, but here's kind of like the how-tos. How do you endure suffering? You see, he's, he's talking about not just information, but the application of the information. He's talking about actually what does it look like to understand the gospel, but what does it look like for the, the gospel to be applied to all areas of your life, to see the depth of it? You know, you, if you're in school right now, or if you've been to school, university, or college, seminary, wherever you've been, trade school. You know, you look at a body of information so long that you actually start to, to memorize the content, right? If you read through books, I, every year I, I read through some similar, my, similar books every year and I try to memorize the content. 
Like you memorize the content, but it might actually not lead to any kind of transformation. You, you've mastered it. You know it, but it doesn't actually hit you. It doesn't actually apply to your life. You see, I think sometimes we look at the gospel, which is that, that we're broken, sinful people, and that Jesus came to live and die and rise again so we could be free from sin, Satan, and death. We have new life in him. I think some of us look at the gospel and we think, man, it's just a, a set of information. And I think if you grew up in the church for any period of time, you say things like, I know what the gospel is. You know, I, I've actually mastered that. I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about deeper things. Like people do this all the time. You know, is there a next step? Like, what is the next step? What's the next thing for me to do? I've, I've understood that what the gospel is, but I actually want to go to a deeper understanding of the Christian faith. There's this great theologian uh, named Timothy Keller. Go and read any one of his books. They're incredible. He famously stated this thing. He says, the gospel isn't A, B, C. It's A to Z. And I think this is how some of us understand the gospel. We think it's just like one, two, three. It's A, B, C. It's so simplistic that we just, we get to it and we move on to something different, something deeper. Churches do this all the time, right? Where like they, they move on to holiness or to um, spiritual gifts or different things. But the gospel is all of life. Repentance is all of life. That's all there is. You see, all we have is the gospel. I think sometimes we, we take the gospel and make it just information, intellectual information, but we don't actually allow it to apply to every area of our life. You see, I think about my kids right now and maybe your kids if, you, if you're homeschooling. If you're doing any kind of homeschooling at home and you're trying to teach your kid a certain kind of subject and they think they know a little bit about it, <laughs> this is what happens. When I'm like trying to teach my kids, I'm like, hey, here's how you do this, this simple equation in math. You know, you did it wrong. And they go come back and they go, I know how to do it, Dad. Like, stop it. I know it. Like, isn't that what we do with, with the gospel? It's like we know what it is. We understand it intellectually, but for some reason we're having a hard time understanding the depth of it. You see, I think kids do this all the time, especially with Bible stories or, you know, where I'm trying to tell my kids, you know, a Bible story. And they're like, we already know this, Dad. We already know about Noah. We already know about Moses. We already know about these things. We already know about Jesus healing the leper. We know about these stories. We know about it. You see, but isn't that true about us? Isn't that true about you and myself? See, we think we know it. And if we know it, why are we living the way we are? You know, if you know it, why are troubles overthrowing us in this moment? If you know the gospel, why do you still take your identity from what people say about you? Why do you take your identity from what's happening, your accomplishments, your achievements? That in this moment, which is the, I think is the great equalizer, it strips away everything that we're stuck at home, whether you're rich or poor, we're in the exact same spot. We're stuck at home. See, why do you take your identities from blank, whatever it is? See, if you really know the gospel, why isn't it impacting your life? Why don't you see the fullness of it? See, it's not just a body of information. I do pre-marriage counseling all the time, and, and I like to do sessions before people get married and then sessions after because I feel like when you're, before you get married, when you're pre-marriage counseling, you have no issues, right? Like you sit in a room and the person's like, like, what's the last conflict you had? We never fought ever. That's what they say. Like, we, we're totally fine. We never fight. And then actually, you know, six months after when I go back and do that, you know, that session, it's like, what do you fight about? They're like, oh yeah, we fight about um, how we make the bed. 
or how the toilet roll hangs. <laughs> we fight about whose, whose money is in our bank account. You see, there, you might, in pre-marriage, you might understand when some people are newly married, an ideal of what a marriage should look like, but when you're in like, the depth, the fullness of it, it looks different. Like my wife and I have been married for 15 years, and there's a depth to a relationship that grows every year. Right? Like, we just don't become static. We don't stay static. We actually are growing and thinking and progressing. And our marriage is also the same way. I think, well, parenting is the same kind of situation where my wife and I, when we had kids, we had all these ideals and ideals of what we wanted to, our kids to, our parenting structure to look like. And I feel like when we actually had that kid, all those things got thrown out the window. You see, I think that's the, the element of when you look at the gospel. It's you might understand it intellectually, but to know the depth of it is a different thing. That's what we're talking about today, about how do you, how do you go through suffering. I think there's some practical things for us. Um, and maybe you do feel, you know, awareness of what the gospel is, but you don't understand the depth of it. And I would love for, you, for us, for myself, um, to hear this message. See, Peter is a follower of Jesus, and he's an eyewitness to Christ's life, his death, and his resurrection. He wrote this letter roughly 64 AD, and he's writing to people who are persecuted for their faith. People who are being destroyed. People who are foreigners in their own land. People who, who um, are suffering. I think that can actually, think about our lives, about how in this moment we are, we're in a pandemic, but things are going to change for the next three to four years. You know, people are losing their businesses, their homes, their marriages are, are strained, their relationships with their kids are being strained. And here's what Peter says to these followers who are suffering in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Chapter 1, verse 10, yeah. It says here, Concerning the salvation, the salvation you find in Christ, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time, what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, and angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. You see, I think... I think for us suffering right now, there's kind of like I want these kind of two points. One is that you need an understanding of what the gospel is. You know, inside the Bible, what is the gospel? You know, I think when it says here, concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you, searched and carefully investigated, they inquired into what, would, what time and what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance the sufferings of Christ and the glories that follow. So this is telling us that the whole Old Testament, the Old Testament prophets knew about a Messiah, a Christ coming. They knew someone was going to come to save us. They knew the Messiah would come. A new king. Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. Christ was there, was saying, Abraham knew I was coming, but he had no idea of when and where. You see, the, the gospel, you look in the in New Testament times, you know, is just really this idea of a report of a historic event. You see, a gospel is not just a simple, like a, a wise saying. Um, if you're going to, 
gaze into what the gospel is, you have to realize that it's good news. It's good news with something happening. When, when a new king or emperor would come in, they would send out this, this herald, this gospel, and it'd be good news with something that's happened. For us, there's an event that changed human history, and it's Jesus. But it's not just Jesus, it's his, his death and his resurrection that sets him apart. See, no other savior rises from the dead. Right? Like, why would they write this story about a Savior who dies? That sounds so weak. But a Savior who dies and then rises. You see, it's, they said it was something, it's a good news because something happened, an event that actually changed the, Peter's life. And that's what good news is. We actually believe the gospel because it's good news that Peter was an eyewitness account. They saw good news that changed human history. I was at a conference a few years ago, and uh, my friend uh, Nathan was just so nerdy now about this, this guy who was speaking, and I was like, who is this guy? And um, my friend Nathan was like, he's a chief evangelist for Apple, right? Like that Apple has this guy who goes around and just tells people about um, the new products, and he's kind of like, he's telling you about the good news about what's happening at this company. And he worked for this other company now called Canva, and he was just, what he's doing is he's bringing this brand awareness and kind of evangelizing the brand. That was his job. It was kind of crazy. And he was sitting there in front of his whole crowd of, of pastors. And he said this amazing thing. He said here, you guys have this amazing message. Christians have this incredible, he said, you have the best product in the world. And yet you suck so bad at communicating it. <laughs> He's like, Is, you don't even make it the good news anymore. You make it terrible news. You make it conformity. You don't make it the fact that the gospel frees you. If you, it's not just knowing the right information. It's actually living out, applying that, the depth of what Jesus did for you. You see, it was kind of shocking to be in that space where this guy, this, this secular author is telling us that, that he has this great graphic design program, but that we have this incredible good news that would change people's life forever. You see, if you just want a good teacher or some wise sayings, just go to those books. If you're looking for a self-help idea when, when Indigo or Chapters opens up, just go and get a self-help book. But Christianity has never been about that. The gospel is that he's done something for you. You're not doing anything. Like You're not bringing anything to this equation. It's all about the good news of Jesus. I think we forget that. We think that, man, if I could just fast more, or if I could just meditate in Scripture, or if I could just do something else, like Jesus doesn't need you, but he uses you. You see, the gospel is that he has done something for you. Your sins are forgiven. Death has been broken. He died in your place. He rose triumphant over the grave. That's the gospel. You see, the, the Bible, people say, okay, I know, Great, there's no like wise sayings in the Bible, but the Bible is full of, of how-tos, of how to win over worry. It's how to actually deal with guilt. It's how to raise a family, how to overcome bitterness and grief. But only because there's a gospel can you overcome those things. You understand that? Like we can intellectually understand the gospel, but to overcome grief and suffering, and pain, and worry, anxiety. You have to actually let the gospel go deep into your life. And that's kind of the next point, is you need to see the depth of the gospel. It says here in verse 12, it says here that 
it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. These things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. You see, Peter is saying here is this wonderful news of the gospel and actually the the angels are so obsessed about the, the prophecies of the Old Testament and the apostles of the New Testament. And he's, he's talking about the, the angels are so excited to not just glimpse at it, but gaze at it. That The word actually means to gaze at it. To be fixated on it. You see, when you're reading the Bible, the whole Bible is, is all about Jesus' suffering and glory. That's the whole lens we look through the Bible at. I think a lot of times that we look at the Bible, the, the doctrine of the Bible, you know, you think that, that people just were like zapped with information or text messaged into their brain information and they're just like, okay, we're going to write it down. But see, the prophets, the apostles, they searched out, they were looking and they said, let's look and see what God's doing. He's doing something. The Messiah is going to come. We're, we're looking, we're expecting. We're gazing for something to happen. They searched intently to know when he was going to come. You see, it means that they were human beings. They didn't lose their cognition. They didn't lose their control. What it's saying here is this this doctrine of of we believe that the Bible is fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, compiled, given to us. It means that they weren't the products of their own wisdom. Their words were God's words, that they're a perfect example in Acts 4, verse 25, when when Peter says, Says here, the, the Lord God, who by the mouth of David did say by the Holy Spirit. And then he quotes Psalm 2. And what is Psalm 2? It says here, the Lord God, who by the mouth of David said by the Holy Spirit. See, that's how biblical writers understand what's happening in the Bible. That when David wrote Psalm 2, they knew that the Holy Spirit so moved David that whatever David said, God said. And that's how you have to read the Bible. You have to look at it that way. See, someone says, how can you have that kind of view of the Bible? How can you have that view of its authority? Like when you're going through intense suffering and pain in our time, I think that you can understand what the gospel is, but when you look at the whole Bible and see the depth of Christ's love displayed for you in the whole Bible, from Genesis chapter 1 all the way through Revelation. See, I think there's two ways we can read the Bible. You can either accept what Jesus said about it. You can accept what Peter, an eyewitness, Jesus, all those folks said about it. You can let the Bible have authority over your thinking or you can decide that you're the authority, that you know best how you should go through it and sort out what's right and wrong. You can let yourself be the authority over what the Bible says. So you can let your own reason be over the Bible. You let your own, or you can let the Bible be over your own reason. See, there's only two possibilities here. See, I think as a result, I think sometimes we're so unwilling to take the Bible for what it says. Because we, we look at the Bible, we don't understand the whole story. The whole story of the whole Bible is about Jesus. Jesus is the centerpiece. He's like the main point of the whole Bible. The whole Old Testament's pointing towards Jesus. And the whole New, New Testament after the Gospels is just applying what, what the Gospel looks like in everybody's day-to-day life. See, if you're going to take this view of the Scripture that it's all inspired. 
You know, it's easy to go through hard times because you understand that there's a depth to the gospel you don't understand. It's not just a, a rule book to observe or obey. It's actually a love letter written to you and I. There's a depth to it that actually breaks our lives apart little by little. When I think I have a handle on my finances and I realize, man, this isn't my money, that actually when I get a paycheck, it's actually like God giving me a gift to steward it. That when I was bored, I came in here naked, and when I, when I leave this earth, I'm going to leave with nothing. I can bring nothing with me. You see, there's a depth to the gospel when you understand the Bible that it actually wears away at all the little nuances in your life that you cling to, you hold on to. See, I think you have to trust the Bible or else you'll never be able to see what it is. It's a letter from God to you about what it is, the good news. The good news that, that you're not, your whole life isn't the sum total of your achievements. It's the sum total of Christ's achievements. It's the sum total of Christ's life that we get to actually hide in that. You see, when you understand the gospel, the depth of it, you understand it's not about you. I remember when I was like a, an early Christian and um, I thought, man, it was so much about my, my ethic, my work ethic, my hardworking, my sharing the gospel with people. And the older I got, I realized that it's actually just living my life in light of the gospel. It's actually bringing people into my life, showing them really that I'm just a broken person. And actually every day I need Jesus as much as my neighbor needs Jesus. I'm not some special holy person. That actually, I'm a broken person, and I need Jesus every day to show up. In a pandemic, I feel like this has been the case for me so much lately, is that I need Jesus every single day. That it, This isn't just an intellectual understanding of the gospel. It's actually like, I need this, the depth of it, every day when I think about the things I'm buying, or my philosophy about money, or the way I treat my kids, or my wife, my neighbors, my coworkers, my friends. You see, I think when you look at the whole Bible and you realize that the whole Bible is about Jesus suffering his death and his glory, it changes you. There's a great passage I was reading this last week in Numbers chapter 21. It's a story where Moses, this Old Testament incredible, uh, incredible man, was with the Israelites wandering through the wilderness after Egypt. And the people are just bickering and complaining. They're complaining. Like, you know, like they're complaining about going back to Egypt, to go back to slavery, right? It didn't mean that you're complaining when someone cuts you off in line at the McDonald's drive-thru or Starbucks, which happens all the time. I almost saw a fight last week in a Starbucks drive-thru. But these people, these Israelites are complaining and whining. And what, what God is like is like, he's like I'm enough of this. And so he does, he sends snakes and the venom from the snakes bites people and starts to kill them. And Moses sees all this death around him. What does he do? He pleads with, the, with God to spare the people. And God tells Moses, says here, he just build a cross and put a snake on it, a bronze snake, and hold it up. And all people have to do is gaze on it and they'll be healed. You see, think about, like, you can see that story and say, okay, it's just, it's some random Old Testament story. But this story, when you look at the, the lens of the gospel, of Jesus suffering and his death, like we are people just like the Israelites, who bicker and whine and complain. We're people just like them, that we actually have a venom in us that, was, that, was, that is in us. It's sin. It's destroying us. And there's a cross with a Savior on it. It's Jesus. And to accept that cross, you have to do nothing. 
That's the good news, my friends, is you do nothing for that. All you do is you gaze at that. You glimpse at it, and you're healed. The Israelites didn't have to do anything but just gaze at the cross, and they were healed. You see, that's the depth. We were reading through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. You're realizing that it's, there's a depth to the gospel. You see these stories, that they're not just Old Testament. They're not just nice, cliche stories. That they're actually stories about Jesus. That we're in these stories. I think sometimes that when we look at information, like I think Christians, I saw this, this interesting thing this past week by this pastor who, um, who committed suicide, and uh, he was talking about the church, the church in North America. He said this thing about the, the church. He said here that, um, that we are so fixated on being theologically right that we forget the relationships. Like, I think that, that what he's trying to say here is that there's information that we need to understand, but it can't just be all information. It actually has to be application. It has to be applied to our life. Like the application of your life, it actually, the information that you know about Jesus or you, or you don't know, if you don't know Jesus, I don't know how it's going for you, but if you know information about Jesus, the, what the gospel is, it's applied to your life. When you're going through suffering and struggles, when your bank account didn't look as, as good as it used to look before the pandemic, when your kids are just driving you crazy like my kids do sometimes to me, when your marriage isn't as isn't what it used to be because you maybe used to deflect and go to work and escape from being home. But right now we're, we're pent up. So you might know information about the gospel, but how is it actually applied to everyday life, the depth of the gospel? How do you actually need it every day in every circumstance? When this guy, this, Darren, this guy named Darren Patrick was saying here is that we could intellectually know something, but to actually have it applied to our lives, day to day to relationships, changes us. And I think that the church today Christianity today is so addicted to this intellectualism. But how is it applied to my life, to Levi's life, to David's life, to your life in your living room? Like, how is it applied day to day? We need to understand the depth of it. See, when you read the whole Bible, it can't just be about information. It needs to be about application. If you want to be changed today, if you want to be transformed you need to understand how the gospel applies to all of your life. Because I believe that information plus application equals transformation. I think you sit at home, I would hope that you'd understand intellectually what the gospel is. That it's not the sum total of your life, it's a sum total of Christ's life. But not just understand the information, but understand the application of that. Because we understand the application of that, it changes the way you do your sports. It changes the way you treat people. It changes the way you treat your money, your sex life. It changes the way you do everything. Don't just treat Jesus as an intellectual thing. Allow Jesus into your life and allow that to go deep into your life. Let's pray. God, I'm so sorry for how I've made you so intellectual in my life, just these ideals and thoughts, but there's so many areas in my life that I haven't let you transform and change. I think about how I hold on to my money or how I treat people or relationships, Lord. I pray the gospel would, would deepen in my life. How it change me. Every area of my life would be changed by you. 
So Lord, as a church, as Live Free Church, I pray that we allow the gospel to change people in their living rooms. It's not just intellectual information, but it's application. It's actually the gospel lived out every day, always. I'm so thankful, Jesus, that, that my life is in the sum total. My life is the sum total of your life. And in that, I can be hidden in you. Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful how you're moving and working in our lives. Thank you for the gospel. It's a good news. It's an event in human history that changed my life. It changed the people in our core team's life. It changes the people, hopefully, in the living room that this is being beamed into right now. Hopefully, it changes their life also. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening today. Please subscribe to our podcast. Share with your friends. We would love for you to join our movement. All you have to do is go to livefree.church to join us.